You're listening to the audio version of the Frontline documentary America's Great Divide from Obama to Trump. Here is episode two. Madam Speaker, the President of the United States. Healthcare reform was stuck. The divide with the Republicans was widening. Obama would demand action. The time for bickering is over. The time for games has passed. Now is the season for action. Now is when we must bring the best ideas of both parties together and show the American people that we can still do what we were sent here to do. Now is the time to deliver on health care. But at that moment, the outrage machine arrived on the floor of Congress. There are also those who claim that our reform efforts would ensure illegal immigrants. This, too, is false. The reforms, the reforms I'm proposing would not apply to those who are here illegally. It's not true. A members shouted, you lie. It was Republican Representative Joe Wilson from South Carolina. Former Obama advisor John Podesta. Well, the, the Tea Party experience came right into the, <laughs> you know, the House chamber. But to see that sort of disrespect on the floor of the House directed towards the President of the United States, I think, caused everybody's head to snap. Former GOP strategist Steve Schmidt. Not too many years before, he would have resigned in disgrace from the Congress, and he would have been called upon to do so by leaders of both parties. Instead, what happened? He raised a couple million dollars overnight. What's the lesson there? There's no longer a punishment for dishonesty, for craziness. It's rewarded. The president faced an emerging reality. The Republicans' Inauguration Day pledge to oppose him was coming true. There was no way health reform would be bipartisan. He wasn't going to get a Republican vote for anything. Former Obama advisor Ben Rhodes. If you're going to tell Barack Obama that you can't do anything without a Republican vote, you're telling him you cannot do a single thing as president, that you just, you're just going to sit there and do nothing, because the Republicans weren't going to give him votes for anything author and former Secretary of Labor, Robert Reich. Barack Obama came into office thinking, well, I can reason with them. I, if, if I've got good arguments, they're reasonable people, and we'll come to some reasonable conclusion. Well, he was wrong. Uh, that was not there. The Republicans didn't want to give him any victory. It, it, it had nothing to do with reason or logic. They just didn't want to give him a victory. He would fight back, rallying his Democratic supporters including many young, diverse liberals. Do not quit. Do not give up. We keep on going. We are going to get this done. We are going to make history. We are going to fix health care in America. With your help, God bless you. And God bless the United States of America. Down to the wire on health care reform. The House votes just hours from now. President After months of rancor in the streets, the vote takes place in just a few It had hours. consumed the first year of his presidency. Members will record their votes by electronic device. On this vote, the A's are 219, the nays are 212. The 
motion is adopted. 219 to 212, uh, no votes are Republican. All Democrats, no Republicans. This is a huge victory for this president. For decades they've been trying to do it. It has now been done. This legislation will not fix everything that ails our healthcare system, but it moves us decisively in the right direction. This is what change looks like. Former Fox News anchor, Megyn Kelly. Obamacare got shoved down our throats without majority support in the country, which was a huge thing. And people were angry. Republicans were angry. And I don't think Republicans have ever forgiven him for it. What many call socialized medicine. It's the most brazen assault on a fundamental aspect of our republic. Every single Republican senator votes consistently against government-run health care should be a clear indication. This is going to be the end of the economy as we know it. Author and journalist Peter Baker. By passing a health care program essentially on the strength of one party, it was fated, destined to become a continuing partisan divide, part of the issues that would come up in election after election from then on. Perfect title, lies, damn lies. That's what Obamacare was all about. The anger directed at Obama was growing. There were even questions about who he really was from across the divide. Wesley Lowry, Washington Post. The birther movement was so powerful was because it spoke to all types of other anxieties that many white Americans had about Barack Obama. Well, he's not even from here. He's not one of us. Prove it. Prove you were born here. Right-wing websites picked it up. He won't even produce a birth certificate. Don't you love that? Talk radio joined in. Something there that the president doesn't want people to see on that birth certificate. If you have nothing to hide, why won't you show the birth Before long, it caught the attention of reality TV star Donald Trump. He asks me about it. He says, have you read this stuff? It's very interesting. There's a lot of odd questions here. Uh, but he brings the issue into the mainstream. Roger Stone was a longtime political advisor to Trump. He has since been convicted of lying to Congress. Trump understands among Republicans, there's a very substantial majority who have questions about Obama's origins and how he just pops up out of nowhere to become a national figure and whether he was in fact, eligible to serve as president. Former Trump political advisor, Sam Nunberg. We thought that Trump needed an issue that resonates with people. The birth certificate meant a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Overall, it talked about how Obama was different. He was a different kind of person. He was a Manchurian type candidate. Trump was thinking of running against Obama in 2012. Please welcome my friend, Donald Trump. He made himself the face of the birther movement. Why doesn't he show his birth certificate? I, I think he probably... He because I have to and everybody else has to, Whoopi. I'm sure why would he show... Excuse me. Uh -huh. Why? No, excuse me. I really believe there's a birth certificate. Why, look, she's smiling. Why doesn't he show his birth certificate? Right. How way any white president asks to be shown the birth certificate? When they become a president,
You are not allowed to be a president if you're not born in this country. He may not have been born in this country. And I'll tell Journalist you Matt Bayh. That was the racist manifestation of resistance to the president. Donald Trump was at the forefront of it. I think it, it, it rankled uh, President Obama because the birther stuff was just a pure racism slash xenophobia, and it was based in nothing. More than 40 percent of the population still question whether he's actually an American or not. Obama had already released his birth certificate during the presidential campaign, but the issue wouldn't go away. Ben Rhodes. Obama was furious. It wasn't Trump. It was the media. If, if Trump couldn't get booked on all those shows, he'd just be some another whack job, you know, tweeting about conspiracy theories and maybe getting booked on Fox. He's a, Donald Trump is a creation of the American political news media. And that's what angered Obama. That's what angered us in the White House. The great part about a guy with your resources is that you were able to deploy people to go and find out what uh, is actually going on with Barack Obama's birth certificate. What did you find? Well, we're looking into it very, very strongly. Nobody knows who he is. It's very strange. The whole thing is very strange. And she was saying he was born essentially in Kenya. And if he wasn't born in this country, it's one of the greatest scams in the history of politics and in the history period. The more I go into it, the more suspect. Obama reluctantly released more proof of his citizenship. Now, as many of you have been briefed, uh, we provided additional information today about uh, the site of my birth. This thing just kept on going. Yes, in fact, I was born in Hawaii, August 4th, 1961, in Kapi'olani Hospital. We've posted the certification that is given by the state of Hawaii. Three days later, it was time for payback. Dan Balls, Washington Post. The president uses the White House Correspondents' Dinner that year with Donald Trump in the room to completely ridicule Donald Trump in front of this audience that, you know, that, you know, journalists and lobbyists and government officials and, and people who, at that time, Trump wanted to have the respect of. All right, everybody, please have a seat. Donald Trump is here tonight. No one is happier, no one is prouder to put this birth certificate matter to rest than the Donald. And that's because he can finally get back to focusing on the issues that matter. Like, did we fake the moon landing? David Remnick. I was two tables away from Trump. The conventional way in Washington of absorbing a joke at the White House Correspondents' Dinner is to keep your chin up and at least pretend to have a sense of humor about it, even if you go cry into your pillow that night. Trump was steaming. His face was all locked in. He was not having a good time. All kidding aside, obviously we all know about your credentials and breadth of experience. Um, for example, uh, no, seriously, just recently, in an episode of Celebrity Apprentice, at the steakhouse, the men's cooking team uh, did not impress the judges from Omaha Steaks. And there was a lot of blame to go around, but you, Mr. Trump, recognized that the real problem was a lack of leadership. And so ultimately, you didn't blame Little John or Meatloaf. You fired Gary Busey. 
And these are the kind of decisions that would keep me up at night. Well handled, sir. Well handled. But it just kept going and going, and he just kept hammering him. Former Apprentice contestant Omarosa Manigault. And I thought, oh, Barack Obama is starting something that I don't know if he'll be able to finish. Say what you will about uh, Mr. Trump. He certainly would bring some change to the White House. Let's see what we've got up there. I think that is the night that he resolves to run for president. Former Trump advisor Roger Stone. I think that he is kind of motivated by it. Maybe I'll just run. Maybe I'll show them all. Every critic, every detractor will have to bow down to President Trump. It's everyone who's ever doubted Donald, whoever disagreed, whoever challenged him. It is the ultimate revenge to become the most powerful man in the universe. God bless you, and may God bless the United States of America. Neither Trump nor the birther issue were going to go away. Back to this birther business for just a second. Obama is an unknown man, may not be a citizen, surrounded by radicals, surrounded if by terrorists. Obama were such shoe in. Donald Trump would not have had any jokes told about him on Saturday night at the White House correspondent. With a copy of the new fake birth certificate. Now we've looked at it, we're gonna go over why it's fake, how it's a composite. Democrats are nursing a major midterm no hangover. Sense in sugarcoating last night. Out in the country and in Washington, Tuesday's election was a game the divide was growing. Of the House and, make and in the midterms, angry Republicans rose up. Repudiation of the president and his that is a very unhappy electorate. Democrats lost control of the House. Obama called it a shellacking. The voters that went to the polls tonight sent a message to Barack Obama. I can tell you that you know, some election nights are more fun than others. Some are exhilarating, uh, some are humbling. PBS NewsHour anchor Judy Woodruff. In 2010, it became an election very much about President Obama and about how his administration was much more liberal than what the country wanted or had voted for. It was as if, you know, we've been betrayed. This is a president who's going to take us off in a crazy, dangerous direction, and we can't let that happen. And we won racism in every corner of the nation in such a broad and wide victory that the outcome is unprecedented. 87 new Republicans joined what became known as the Tea Party Congress. The Tea Party movement has given life to the Republican Party. Former GOP strategist Steve Schmidt. The Washington leadership of the Republican Party saw energy and enthusiasm amongst the grassroots, so the leaders sought to capitalize on the energy of that movement. The 87 were rebels who had run on changing Washington, but their first challenge was their own leader, the Washington insider John Boehner. I now pass this gavel and the sacred trust that goes with it to the new speaker. God bless you, Speaker Boehner. Boehner had a reputation as a dealmaker, someone willing to work with Democrats. Uh, I didn't need to be speaker because I needed a fancy title or a big office. I wanted to be speaker so I could lead an effort to deal with the serious issues that are facing our country. Former Obama advisor Ben Rhodes. Obama used to tell me, 
John Boehner is just like the Republicans that I worked really well with in the Illinois State Senate. A Midwestern, country club Republican. He's not a racist. He's a good and decent man. He has serious ideological differences with Obama, but they could get stuff done together, right? I'll be working with uh, the bipartisan And Obama believed he knew just how to reach out to a country club Republican. Golf. Before the golf match started, I told the president, I said, Mr. President, this is about golf, not about anything else. And he and I were partners. So we played well, and we won. Obama had more than golf on his mind. He wanted to make a deal to solve the country's fiscal problems. But I suggested to the president, you know, why don't we have a conversation? And he agreed. But it would be dangerous for Boehner. The Tea Party faction was watching him. They would have to meet in secret. Former Obama chief of staff, William Daly. Well, that was Boehner's decision, not ours, obviously. It's not every day that the speaker comes to see the president quietly and says, I'm willing to do a deal that everybody knows is going to be dangerous for him politically. The speaker secretly entered the White House through a side entrance. Once again, about my plan. Ben Rhodes. Because it was so difficult for John Boehner to be seen as working with Barack Obama, he would be snuck in the back door of the White House. <laughs> he'd come in on the weekends or he'd come in at night and kind of sneak the guy through and like sit there with Obama and negotiate or have a drink, right? They talked of a grand bargain, a once-in-a-generation deal to reduce the deficit. Obama would agree to cut entitlements, Boehner to raise taxes. Journalist Matt Bai. The Republican leadership was willing to make a deal. John Boehner was willing to make a deal. And, and the president was able to get Democratic leaders in Congress to sign off on that deal. But back at the Capitol, Boehner was confronted by resistance from his Tea Party members. Former House Majority Leader Eric Cantor. There was support for what was being discussed at the White House was not there in the Republican conference. There was no way that a majority of Republicans were going to support what the president was talking about. It just wasn't going to happen. I mean, it was absolutely scuttled by Boehner's own people. But the fact was, he couldn't get it done. Uh, he didn't have the strength or the conviction to, to have a fight about it in his own party, and it, and it fell apart. It's a bad idea for Speaker Boehner to meet alone with President Obama. Party Nation calling for John Boehner to step down. And gentlemen, and the screw-up is the leadership in the House of Representatives. Rather than trashing conservatives. Boehner's a complete fraud. The tan man always claims to have the pulse of the American people. Ben Rhodes. He never had any control over this caucus. Whenever he took anything back to his caucus, they just tore him apart and ate him alive. They would lose their minds. And so then we realize there is no grand bargain to be had with these people. I just got a call about a half hour ago uh, from Speaker Boehner. Uh, it is hard to understand why uh, Speaker Boehner would walk away from this kind of deal. And frankly, I think that you know, one of the questions that the Republican Party is going to have to ask itself is, uh, can they say yes to anything? Can they say yes to anything? Thank you very much. Republicans were more than happy to take the votes of the Tea Party members and the Tea Party freshman class. Former conservative radio host Charlie Sykes. But it changed the nature of the caucus in fundamental ways. You now had a hard group, a uh, hard group of, of congressmen and women 
who were really not interested in governing. They were more interested in taking a stand and frustrated one legislative procedure after another. Robert Reich. The establishment part of the Republican Party didn't understand that by allying themselves with the Tea Party, they were, in a sense, writing their own death certificate uh, in a way that would lead to the takeover of the Republican Party by Donald Trump. He has no one to blame but himself. I'm not going to do the waterworks of John Boehner. I want to salute the freedom fighters in the House of Representatives, and they're not going to take John Boehner's crap sitting down anymore. You have gone along just to get along with President Obama, like Speaker Boehner. You know, we need to thank them for their service and say, okay, time for new energy.